0: it's time to get nerdy y'all a little bit of gaming history for you
1: something relevant in gaming and discuss our opinions on it should we kick it out of here
0: or should we kickstart it this is the part where you the listeners try to stump the hosts i'm not a lawyer i just play one on a podcast
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Thursday, February 6th, 2020, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 126 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I am Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity, 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 miggity Mac, also known as mac Mac, you, you feeling good, man? You feeling good? Your voice all right?
0: I'm still a little bit under the weather. I'll be drinking a lot and might occasionally need to cough, but you know, Mr. Nice Guy, I'm glad that the stars aligned and we're able to be here in spite of illnesses. Me too, because there's a lot of awesome news for us to discuss this week, so I say we hop right in.
1: How do you feel about that? Absolutely. Let's do this thing. All right. Thanks, everyone who's here live and everyone who is here listening after the fact. We have so much stuff to talk about. PlayStation pricing, a Kickstarter that's taken off, a Blizzard mess up, And some words from Phil Spencer, so let's jump right in. Um, Let's talk about the PS5 first and foremost, Mac. This first story comes from GameSpot.com by Eddie Mackick. It says, 2020 is a big year for the PlayStation brand. As Sony is releasing the PlayStation 5 sometime this holiday, an exact release date hasn't been confirmed. We've learned a little about the next-gen console so far, like its loading times, but there are many questions that remain unanswered beyond the exact date. One question concerns pricing, Mac. What will the PS5 cost? Sony management responded to to that question during an earnings call, saying that those details might depend on other factors, including the competition. This is presumably a reference to the Xbox Series X, which also doesn't have a price yet. Quote, what is not very clear or visible is because we are competing in the space, CFO Hiroki Toki said through a translator, so it is very difficult to discuss anything about price at this time. I'll stop with the quote there, um, Mac, I have never seen something like this before, and I've been gaming for decades. Um, I've never seen one console maker say, hey, we're going to wait to see what the competition does before we pry product. Um, is this a smart move, or should they just you know, go forward and price their thing based on what it
0: costs to make and based on the break-even? What do you think? Well, I think it's always a good idea to have more market information before you start talking about price just always and everywhere especially when we're talking about competition that as I understand it things are going to be improving significantly this generation of uh, consoles and with that comes you know, comes higher prices so I, I I don't know you know my thing so I took a business I took a
1: few business classes in college and I had a professor we probably actually had the same professor I'll tell you later who it was um he said there were two two ways of doing business there's the person who goes and just does exactly what they want to do they kind of operate in a chamber and then there's the person who really focuses on what their competition is doing so that they can compete and I don't think that either way is wrong um I mean, you think about podcasting, right? We kind of do our own thing. I listen to other pods, but I don't really change what I do based on what other people are doing. There are some podcasters out there who listen to the competition and they completely change their structure. They completely change the way they do things based on other people that are successful. So I'm not saying one way is better than the other, uh, but I think either way can work. Now, in this case, I really feel like Sony should just do focus groups and determine what people are willing to pay. And combine that with their internal numbers as far as how much it costs to make each console, rather than trying to do a price is right thing and say, oh, you're charging, you know, $399, we are going to charge $398. I just don't think that that is the way to do it, but they know more than I do.
0: So we'll see what happens, I guess. And, you know, I will say, if they're looking for people to be in those focus groups to try out the console and give a recommendation on price, you know, we're available. Very,
1: very reasonable recommendations on price that won't, by any stretch of the imagination, be less than $100. We would never suggest that, Sony. Hit us up. Two nerds in a podcast at gmail.com all right moving on to the next news story now Mac this one is awesome this one's that one that I think is very cool and I don't want to steal your thunder for a later segment um, but this is about a game called the wonderful 101 and it's uh this uh, news story is on game informed by Andrew Reiner let's jump in it says, Platinum Games The Wonderful 101 didn't have much of a pulse as a Wii U exclusive in 2013, but it's given getting a second chance at life thanks to a successful Kickstarter campaign. With 31 days still to go, and by the way, this was written on February 4th. So at the time, 31 days still to go, Platinum Games had raised over 1.1 million from over 17,000 backers. From the amount raised, The Wonderful 101 Remastered is now heading to Switch, PlayStation 4, and PC. The remastering efforts are shared between Platinum and Nighthawk Interactive, a team that has helped Platinum and other developers support projects to different systems. Um, Mac, I checked this uh, this Kickstarter before the show tonight. It's currently up to like 1.4 million, and I can't remember how many backers, maybe 24,000, something like that, but it was a lot. Um, the reason that this game didn't do well, like they said, is because it was on the Wii U, and the Wii U did not sell well. I watched their video for their Kickstarter. And they said, you know, the only reason we're doing a Kickstarter is because we don't have the funds. So my question for you is, why didn't Nintendo jump on this opportunity and just say, hey, you guys didn't succeed because our console didn't sell. Let's help you remaster it. Let's let's give you some money and we'll share in the profits. Like,
0: wouldn't that have made sense to you? You know, I'm not 100% sure um, exactly how things worked. Uh, but... As I recall the history surrounding the Wii U, there was a lot of you know wasn't there a lot of a uh, sort of May Koopa or Mel Koopa Mal Koopa whatever from Nintendo about the Wii U um, you know when they were closing things down weren't they pretty hands on with their you know fellow uh, developers and such about oh yeah like you know like yeah that was that was our problem our bad. You know, that I don't know. But, but what I do know is that
1: because, you know, it was kind of innovative, it had the touchscreen and, you know, some different things, it just didn't sell well. Not a lot of people bought it. Now, Nintendo has already gone forward and they have remastered um, Super Mario Kart 8 that was on the Wii U. So they clearly believe that there are games that were on the Wii U that could have done better. Um, the only ones they've really remade, as far as I know, are their own IP but not games like the Wonderful 101 that were made by third-party developers exclusively for the Wii U. So I'll tell you my opinion. Um, my opinion, obviously, there's
0: a, there's a big market for this, right? Obviously, otherwise it wouldn't have done so well so
1: quickly. That's that's exactly right. And I think they're charging like 36 bucks to get a digital copy of the game. Um, so, I mean, one, they're saving money by not making physical copies. Two, the release date for this... I believe, is like April of this year. April or May of this year. So I believe they've already done it, but maybe they just needed funds for licensing, um, legal fees and things like that to get over the hump. So it, it also makes me wonder, Mac, maybe they didn't want Nintendo's help. Maybe they said, you know what, we've run some tests. We believe that we can raise you know, a couple million without Nintendo's help, and then we're on our own and we don't owe them anything, and we'll see how this does. Now, that said, it is coming to Switch so, I don't know, just kind of an interesting feel good story. It's cool to see something be resurrected that didn't succeed the first round. I, I just I'm happy about this.
0: Yeah, no, that's super cool. I will say I am somewhat surprised normally game consoles have, uh, and I mean, maybe it's different now than it used to be, but I know exclusivity on uh, on publishing rights for some games with Nintendo has in the past been kind of a thing, although we're probably past that window. So, yeah, no, good on them. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. Now, let's keep it in the realm of Nintendo news. This Dude,
1: there's so many, like, just on point Fire stories this week, so we're going to go through them quickly. Um, That's why we are pushing through the sickness. That's exactly right. Battling through the sickness, the illnesses of the flu, and things like that. Um, This next news story comes from PocketGamer.biz, written by Kaylee Partleton. Uh, And it says The Nintendo Switch has outsold the Xbox One worldwide. According to VG charts, the Nintendo Switch has shifted. I think it means to say shipped. 45.92 million units worldwide. The week ending December 7th, the Switch was had sold... Um, those numbers are wrong. But it says the Xbox had sold 45.24 million units globally. Microsoft's flagship console was launched in 2013, over three years before the Switch hit shelves. Um, real quick, Mac, the top 10 best-selling Switch games. Let's see if you can tell me what they have in common. Number 1, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe 2, Smash Brothers Ultimate 3, Mario Odyssey 4, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 5, Pokemon Let's Go 6, Splatoon 2 7, Mario Kart Party excuse me, Super Mario Party uh, 8, Pokemon Sword and Shield 9, New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe and that's a mouthful and 10, Super Mario Maker 2 so, what, what are those can you tell what those all have in common? I know you don't have the list in front of you Well, there's a lot of Mario in there There is And
0: more importantly, they're all exclusives Mm, That's a very good point They are all exclusives
1: Yeah, and so every time I hear someone say Oh, exclusives don't matter They do matter They absolutely matter We don't care about power You know, we don't care about Xbox Game Pass in terms of its ability to move units. We care about the games. We care about the exclusives. That is why the Switch has outsold the Xbox One with three and a half years left of life cycle. Now, Mac, I got to ask you, as a PC guy, um, if you had to pick between the PlayStation 4, the Switch, and the Xbox, which one would you pick? And be honest. Don't answer what you think I want to hear. I'm just curious, man. Um, if I had to pick, or if I had to
0: purchase, yeah. So let's let's say you had to purchase. If I had to purchase, I would probably purchase the PlayStation. Interesting. I'd probably go with Sony. Why is that? Uh, because I still have a moral objection to purchasing, uh, to putting money in Nintendo's hands.
1: Okay, but that doesn't explain why Sony over Xbox.
0: Um, because I feel like, uh, the games, well, I mean, I, because it's all within an architecture of Windows, Microsoft, almost anything that goes onto Xbox, I can get on the PC. Okay. Makes so sense. So the Sony is the only place out, you know, that I'm out exclusive games that I want, that I might want to play that I couldn't, uh, you know, that I couldn't get otherwise,
1: Okay, that makes sense. So, once again, it comes back to the exclusives. It's not about... even
0: for me, you've proven your point.
1: I'm case in in point here. Yeah, and so, I mean, I believe that that's why the Switch has outsold the Xbox. It's simply because of the game. So, uh, we won't beat that dead horse anymore. Let's keep things moving along. Um, Next news story. One that we talked about briefly, Mac, offline. Um, It's about Blizzard and Warcraft 3 Reforged. Mr. Nice Guy, yes, sir. I was actually hoping to tackle
0: this during League. Oh, I apologize, and you may have even told me that. So we're not going to talk about that right now. We'll skip it now. Just to refresh everybody's memory, we don't actually discuss the segments beforehand. We come fresh to each other's things, uh, so we can you know discover it along with you, the listeners. and give so. like real opinions that aren't scripted, right? Yeah. Cool. So we'll
1: skip that for now. Um, last news story of the week. This one deals with one of my favorite games from last year. Uh, This is on Kotaku.com. It deals with The Outer Worlds. It is written by Ethan Gock. It says, Take-Two Interactive announced in its third quarter earnings report today that The Outer Worlds for Switch has been delayed from its March release until sometime after April of this year. Private Division, the Take-Two subsidiary publishing the game, announced on Twitter shortly after the delay. After that, that, the delay. It's a lot of Ds. Do's? Delays? Do's? Um was due to the recent outbreak of the coronavirus. Quote, We're delaying Outer Worlds on Nintendo Switch due to the coronavirus impacting the Virtuous team working on the port. To provide them enough time to finish development, the company said. Virtuous Games, a company other studios frequently outsource work to, is headquartered in Singapore, but has development offices throughout China. So, Mac, I, I simply wanted to share this story so that we can give a shout-out to all the people who are currently dealing with this. this... Um, virus. It says over 560 people have died in China with thousands more infected. Um, and additionally, Nintendo shipments of Animal Crossing Switch that were going to Japan were also delayed this week because of the virus. Um, it, like this, this is a legitimate thing and it's affecting every aspect of life. Um, it's affecting the stock market. Um, it's affecting, you know, video games. It's affecting our ability to travel. Um, And so I I just wanted to, you know, give our as cliche as it sounds, our thoughts and prayers to our good friends, our brothers and sisters who are in China, who are currently exposed to this much more than we are here in the States. Um, And I think that everyone understands that this delay is completely necessary for people to be able to play this great game on another platform. Uh, So we hope that those people are all safe and that we we're excited for when this will eventually come out. And Mac, that's it for our news stories for the week, man. Back over to you. Alright,
0: well, now that we've taken a look around us... ...let's take a little bit of a look into the past with some video game history. So, uh, I want to actually focus, and this is going to be a a little bit shorter than usual... ...trying to save my voice till the end of the hour here... Um, ...but uh, I'm going to focus on just one particular game uh, that was released this week in years past... ...and that would be Star Trek Online... Um, released for the PC in 2010. So for those of you who haven't played Star Trek Online before, it is a free-to-play, uh, massively multiplayer online game set in the Star Trek universe. For those of us who are Trek nerds, specifically around uh, 24, the year 2490, about 30-ish years after Next Gen. Which I don't know where we are with Canon anymore, but I believe that means it's set just a little bit after what's going on in uh, Star Trek: Picard, the series that's currently filming and you know being being shown right now. Um, <clears throat> anyway, what's particularly interesting about this is that initially. It was work, you know, the ball got rolling in this back in uh, like about uh, 2008 or so, um, or, or sorry, rather they were going to release in 2008. They had started the ball rolling in about 2006 and they had tapped or the company that had purchased the rights to do it was a uh, company called Perpetual Entertainment. And. Um, and sometimes it's kind of hard as I'm doing these history things to get exact details and we have to settle for just some, uh, you know, some sort of off-handed comments that people have given in interviews, but we don't know that much about the game that Star Trek Online was under Perpetual Entertainment's watch that was, you know, but we do know that in 2008, when it was passed on to Cryptic Studios, um, which now I believe is a subsidiary of uh, one of those big uh, um, free-to-play game places like Tencent uh, over, uh, over in China, uh, but when it was passed on to Cryptic Studios, they actually said that they basically had almost nothing to show for the two years that perpetual entertainment had been at work at it so before the company closed perpetual entertainment closed their doors cryptic studios you know bought the rights and then basically had to just go for it from there um. So all they really got was the license. They talked about having to build it from the ground up with no provided assets or code, a huge undertaking for any company. Now, all of that being said about Star Trek Online, I have played this game, played it with a good friend of mine. We did it sort of cooperatively, uh, and it's a really good memory and has some really good feelings in my heart. And I was surprised to stumble across that, you know as early as 2008 there could potentially have been a a different timeline if you will we'll call it let's call it the kelvin timeline with a different that's a star trek joke I thought i'm sorry it was Mr. like nice a physics guy. reference or something because no, a
1: unit that they measure
0: stuff in physics
1: kelvin's well, used to measure co- heat
0: am i right you are correct about that it is a unit of measurement uh, but it technically doesn't measure heat temperature is really more a me- measurement of uh of heat in the sense that, you know, it's too only measured by molecules. uh, You see how we just get off topic. Y'all we, we just talked about all kinds of stuff. It's my fault. It's my fault. Not, not important, but space is cold because there's no molecules to bump into the thermometer. It's not, but thermom. but temperature at here is usually a measure of energetics. All I'm getting at is that, uh, is that yes? You are absolutely correct. But the Kelvin timeline specifically comes from Kelvin's uh, uh, the Kel- the ship Kelvin that was destroyed in a uh, you know in a in one of the alternate timelines and spun spun something off. Anyway, point being, um, a very different game released a couple years earlier in say the Kelvin timeline. But that's a little bit of history. Hopefully, something you didn't already know about Star Trek Online. Uh, released for the PC this last week in 2010.
1: That's gaming history. Appreciate that, Mac. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we will keep things moving. Thank you, everyone, who's here for the live show. It's so good to see all of y'all. Next, we're going to talk about something, and I'd love to get our viewers' opinion on this because it's time for our next segment, the topic of the week, a segment where we talk about something relevant in gaming and give our opinions on it. Now, Mac, there were so many... um, what's the word I'm looking for, relevant stories this week, that it was hard to pick one for the topic of the week, but I went with the one that's the most obvious, involving our good friend who I've never met, but I consider him a friend, uh, Phil Spencer, because he makes awesome stuff, so uh, this one comes from Polygon.com, it's written by Austin Goslin. It says, with a new console generation right around the corner, Microsoft is setting its sights higher than a traditional console war. Phil Spencer, head of gaming for Microsoft, recently told Technology Publication Protocol he doesn't view Sony and Nintendo as the company's primary competition going forward. Instead, Spencer sees the future of gaming being fought over cloud computing between companies like Google, Amazon, and of course Microsoft. Quote, When you talk about Nintendo and Sony, we have a ton of respect for them. But we see Amazon and Google as the main competitors going forward, said Spencer. That's not to disrespect Nintendo and Sony, but the traditional gaming companies are somewhat out of position. I guess they could try to recreate Azure but we've invested tens of billions of dollars into the cloud over the years. The Azure that Spencer is referring to here is Microsoft's cloud computing service in the larger technology landscape thousands of companies use Azure as part of their infrastructure and for their own cloud products. However, in the gaming space Azure is the background for Xbox Project X Cloud feature. Project X Cloud allows players to stream Xbox games directly from the cloud onto mobile phones or tablets. Spencer sees this seems to see this as the key feature for a future for a company going forward rather than the direct console competition that happened in past generations. So Mac, this is a lot to unpack. Um, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. What he's
0: saying, do you agree with him or do you disagree? You know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Mr. Nice guy, stranger things have happened. Um, I, I, will say though, that I did appreciate cause we tweeted about this during the middle of the, uh, of the week. Um, and, uh, and we did have some people on Twitter who kind of got back to us about that. Do you mind if I chime in with a couple of their thoughts? That would be
1: perfect. Go for it, man.
0: So, uh, like, Dr. Tech MD said, I think he's right, Phil Spencer, that is. Sony and Nintendo will most likely stay in their lane when it comes to gaming and progress. Google and Amazon are more innovative companies. It's built into their DNA. They're working on so many levels other than gaming. Spencer has a right to worry. And, uh, Martin Luther Bling did say, They've got the money and huge online infrastructure. If Google or Amazon creates a good, affordable gaming ecosystem, it would be very difficult for Microsoft and Sony to compete. And I I don't disagree with these assessments. However, I feel like one of the things that I... uh, really hope in my heart of hearts does not catch on of course is the cloud you know is the streaming future this streaming future of video games that is you know being worked at by stadia and such can
1: can i ask a quick clarifying question
0: so when you say streaming
1: you mean the ability to let, let me think of how to explain this you mean the ability to stream a game online or do you mean the ability to say use your xbox
0: on a different screen than on your TV remote distinction, great distinction. uh, Not actually either of those, but rather the streaming future of games where, like with the Google Stadia, you purchase the game on the streaming, you know, service, but that the data for the game, the actual what the game is, never actually makes it to your computer, to your side of things. You are never given a discrete product. We can have conversations uh, more about, you know, other stuff like, you know, Know, how much power should rest in either hands but i think paying for the video game and having the data never make it to you wholesale just having it you know basically spoon-fed to you right, right, by right. streaming it down is uh, is the worst time it's line. like having a it netflix is. account
1: you don't own those movies you don't yeah, own those it, shows they're just there and if they go away for whatever reason you're screwed right mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm yeah, and, you know, Google has a long history of closing, you know, of closing shop on things. So, I, I mean, I'm a. I want to not think that Stadia and Google are going to present that much competition um, for very selfish reasons because of the future I want to see the way I want to see video games go. Uh, but with regards to streaming those video games, streaming the content to other devices like your tablets, your televisions, I, I think that's great. And I, I hope that one day we're going to really nail down the secret to make that happen well it'd be great yeah now one
1: thing i I really liked what martin luther bling and they're good friends of the show um uh martin luther bling and dr tech md had to say i i even responded to them and i said what about apple You know, he's talking about Amazon and Google. I mean, Apple has a rabid fan base, and they have a pretty good infrastructure, too. In fact, they're actually making strides to get into the gaming market with Apple Arcade, right? Um, Imagine if Apple put out a gaming console Mac, and, you know, you could control the console remotely with your phone or your iPad or your Apple Watch. Um, Maybe you could even play the games on those screens or a watered-down version of the game. Apple is a tech giant, And there are literally people I know who every single product that Apple comes out with, people buy it, simply because they believe so much in the company and in the things that they create. So I think that they're another company that could potentially compete with Microsoft. Now, I will say, I don't know if I agree 100% with Mr. Spencer that Sony and Nintendo are not their main competition anymore, because we haven't really moved to that stage where... We're, we're in the streaming present, right? It's still in the future to me, right? Like, streaming mm-hmm. isn't as relevant, I don't think, as people think it is. PlayStation Now has a streaming service where you're just streaming the games. It's not killing it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Xbox Game Pass, on the other hand, a service where you pay a subscription fee and you can download the game to your console, is killing it. So, I don't know. I feel like we're still, you know, half a decade away from companies with huge infrastructures online competing with Microsoft. I feel like it's still the big three that it has been traditionally that are in competition with each other. Uh, And that just goes to show in the fact that Sony and Nintendo both outsold Microsoft this past gen. So let us know in the chat what you think. Mac, do you have any last
0: thoughts on this topic before we keep it moving? No, aside from I've been wrong before, I'll be wrong again, but I hope this time I'm right. That's what I have to say about that. (laughs) so uh that was topic of the week thanks everybody for chiming in and and letting you know uh letting us know what you think about it and also to those who've uh throughout the week kind of responded to what we were saying on twitter um just a quick uh, shout out to a few of you who are here. Of course, House, Ishmobile, who had to go. We'll see you later. Uh, Moocher, Metzgirl, and Kane, of course. I doubt Kane says, I doubt Apple would put out a AAA level game. The profit to cost will never get to the level that they like. That's a fair point. That's a fair point.
1: And Metz girl says she prefers Zoom. I'm, I'm familiar with Zoom, but I've never used it. So, um, interesting take there. But thanks for your thoughts. Oh, oh, that's that's Zoom instead of Google
0: Hangouts. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, I knew what she meant. It's a meeting service. So right, right. Sorry, <clears throat> I just didn't know in the this world. You know, who knows? There might have been a thing named Zoom that was for video game playing. Enemy, um, enemy on the flash, Zoom. Yeah, yeah. That's one. that's his name. So, uh, that being said, um, this brings us to our next, uh, segment called Kick or Kickstart. And those of you who are here with us live, you have a very important, um, a very important task. And that is we're going to post a link to a Kickstarter in the chat, something that's trying to get off the ground right now. And we're going to talk about the virtues and the vices. And then afterward, we are going to say whether we think it should be kickstarted or whether it should be kicked out of here. So here comes the link. It's called the Button Witch. Um, so <laughs> let's just dive right in here. Um, some things to keep in mind as we're looking at the Button Witch. It is self-proclaimed a little bit point and click, a little bit Escape Room, kind of a dash of Escape Room, although I don't know if I would necessarily characterize it that way, because kind of all point-and-click puzzle games are a dash of Escape Room. Um, escape Room's really kind of a super, super sub of a point-and-click game, but, you know, that's, that's just me. Um, this is the second Kickstarter done by these folks. The first one was successful and delivered, which does, you know, uh, which does lend some credit to these guys. Um, they, It's almost about 80% funded as it is, and there is a playable demo. Now, that's something that they mention in their video, if you've got the sound on and are looking at that. Um, but it's also something that comes about, if you're scrolling through the stuff, it comes nearly in the last quarter, just before the stretch goals sort of things, you know, the, the breakdown of what they're going to put the money toward, you have a spot where you can download the demo. Um, so, as opposed to kind of up there where it, where it ought to be. Uh, now, some things I think that are kind of troublesome about this, I feel like 35,000, it's 30, it's 30, or sorry, 3,500, it's 3,300 actually, um, that they're asking for here is a little bit low. Um, although their last game, they were asking for a pretty low amount of money and they still successfully delivered it. Um, they are looking to release in ten months' time, which I think is too ambitious for what they're trying. Or from the, you know, from the vision that I got of what they're trying to produce, I feel like ten months is just a bit too ambitious. Um, and yeah uh, and one just big problem with the Kickstarter overall is is please, if you're listening remove that playable demo link up there to the top of the campaign above everything else link that playable demo right there at the top uh, but Mr. Nice Guy, tell me me your thoughts, sir. So,
1: Mac, I don't know if you remember, um, did you ever use a program, and let us know in the chat what you guys and girls think as well, did you ever use a program um, called Kid Picks? Kid Picks? It was like an old Mac game, um, or old Mac paint program, rather, where you could just design different things. Um, The art in this looks elementary to me, I guess is what I'm trying to Mm. say.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, one thing that they do point out is that is that what they're going to be channeling probably nearly 30% or so of the stuff toward is the artwork in the game. As they're going to be, as this is just sort of the, the, the demo. But, you know, please, please, fire away. So,
1: yeah, I mean, it, it looks like... Um... It looks like a Flash game, basically, like a low-budget Flash game, and there's nothing wrong with that because there have been some games that graphically were not impressive at all, but turned out to be great games. I mean, one of my favorite games, Hollow Knight, it's a beautiful game, but but graphically, it's um, it's not Breath of the Wild, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's not a game like that. So graphics don't mean everything. I'll tell you what I like about this. I like that they're only charging $11 for the game. I think that that's a good price point. Um, I like that they're not trying to put it on every single console. Typically with games like this, I, I say, you know what? You got to have it on Switch. It's an indie game. That's where the home of indies are. Um, but it looks like they're just doing it on Steam, right? Or are they doing it anywhere else? Uh,
0: nope. Looks like just Steam.
1: So, I mean, they're starting small. They're going to see how it does. And then maybe they can flip those profits into having it go somewhere else. Um, I like that they have some quotes from different outlets. I think that that's always good. It adds legitimacy. Uh, But other than that, I'm just not really that impressed with what I see. And I feel like the point-and-click game has kind of been perfected by, um, by Telltale. You know, they it's because Telltale is effectively a point and click, right? Those, those Walking Dead games. Yeah, they absolutely are. I feel like looking at this, we're taking a step backwards. You know what I mean? That's just the vibe
0: that I get. And so, um, I, I, that's what I feel. That's what I think about it. Sure. No, I mean, and of course, you guys who are here with us live, let us know what you think about it virtues, vices, and get ready to weigh in as to kick or kickstart um <clears throat> i have to say that uh, that i f- i don't disagree with you um particularly i feel like some of the weaknesses of the game that i see right now and again this is sort of the early steps we don't know how it's going to improve between now and its eventual release if in fact it does get released but uh, particularly the animations surrounding things such as movements uh, are very, very rudimentary. Very true. Um, I don't mind the 16-bit style. I'm a retro gamer at heart, so I love this kind of thing. Now, is but, this 16-bit? Uh, Yeah, 16-bit. Sorry, okay. did I say 8-bit? Okay. No, you did say 16. I To me, it just looks like it's
1: a watered-down 16-bit, if that is.
0: Exactly, it's lacking, you know, some important keyframes, things like that. Uh, movements on things aren't exactly that fluid. I would expect a little bit better. Um, I'd expect the walking animation to have more than three keyframes. I'd expect it because that's very much like so. For example, Mega Man, right? My favorite game series of all time. Uh, the key and keyframes on his animation are, you know, basically three or four frames, um, and. He moves, he moves real great, but he definitely has that 8-bit look to him as a result of that. Uh, 16-bit very much evokes more movement frames. Anybody who's played Mega Man 7 after having played Mega Man 6 knows exactly how there's a difference in fluidity there. Um, now, when you're doing something kind of action-oriented, that may or may not, you know, bias you against it, but nonetheless, it still is. It, it is. Uh, no judgments just that it is a thing and this has more of a movement to it the effects surrounding the magics that you do in the game um don't have much to go and who knows how much that's going to improve uh but for what it is i can see what they're going for and i can see the scope of things that they're doing um and Mr. Neskai, do you think we're ready to give a verdict?
1: I say we cast our votes. Let's,
0: Let's cast our votes. Those of you in the chat, get those in right now. Kick or kick start. We're tallying them. So, Mr. Nice Guy, I say kickstart. I've spent some time with the demo. I can see the I can see the appeal. Um, it has a ways to go, and it needs some improvement. But eleven dollars is not much to take a risk on something like this, especially where they've successfully delivered a Kickstarter in the past.
1: Okay, and for me, and I never thought about this until now, but I feel like I'm always at a little bit of a disadvantage because I've never done the playable demo. So maybe we switch it up next time, and if there is a demo, I try it. You know what I mean? Um, Just at face value, this just doesn't impress me. Once again, I think that they chose the right price point. I even think that they have enough time to get it done with 10 months' time. Uh, and I think that they're asking for a reasonable amount of money to get over the hump based on what I see, but I, am just not impressed with it. Um, when I think point and click, I think telltale and, uh, and those games are so polished. The dialogue is so good. There's so many different moving parts that I don't think that these folks can get this done for 3000 or $3,300, um,
0: and have it be a good game. So I have to say kick. All right, and uh, those who are here with us, it looks like the kickstarts have it, sir. Uh, Kane, Metzgirl, thank you very much for weighing in on this, but uh, it looks like you're outnumbered. You're the sole kick vote, but uh, just because that is true right now, who knows? Those of you who are listening to the podcast on your commute, just say it out loud on the bus. We are tallying the results from here.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our next segment a segment we like to call Nerdflex a segment where we get some questions and or sound effects and or something else from you good people and we try to answer the trivia questions now
0: Mac did you want to give a quick update before I hop into these or did we want to do that in the edit I was, uh, so just as an update, um, the sound test from episode 124 has still not gone solved correctly, so that prize is still available, uh, however, at the end of the Nerdflex segment today, I will give you a hint for that, unless you think I'd better off doing it now.
1: Ah, uh, whatever you want, man. Okay, I'll-, I'll- a call.
0: I'll do it right now. The game that it comes from was released at the uh, near the end of the 1990s. So okay. that's your hint. So now you have a general idea, general range of what games you should be looking at.
1: Awesome. And our segment today, the questions that we have come from a good friend of the show, good friend of mine named Kid Nicky. Um, and I told him, you know, because last week we had a bunch of questions that I feel like they were from games that we, some of them were from games we hadn't played, I think. So I said, listen, pick some quotes. They need to be from games that Mac and I have probably played or that we are familiar with. No obscure stuff. Um, So I'm going to read the quote, Mac. We're going to try to guess what game it comes from. This one, number one. What is a man? A miserable little pile of secrets. And I have no freaking idea, but I can probably work my way through it. I'll repeat that for the viewers. What is a man? A miserable little pile of secrets. And we're trying to figure out what game this comes from. Um, I'm looking at, at Mac nobody give him any help, but it I looks definitely like he know it. you do you know. Do you, see, Mac Mac like knows every video game quote, and I don't. I don't remember quotes like that.
0: Um, a miserable little pile of secrets. An old friend of mine and I, um, we really bonded over the Simpsons and, uh, when we, when we were young and I discovered through our sort of interaction that I, there are some things that just stick in my head and quotes from movies, video games, and television are one of them. Interesting.
1: Okay. Um, so a miserable little pile of secrets, so, I don't know. For some reason, this strikes me as probably like a darker game because mm-hmm. that quote is a little bit darker. So, probably something that's rated T or higher, right? It's not a rated E for everyone type of game, I'd imagine, mm-hmm. just based on that piece of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that's dialogue heavy because you don't get that type of game in a platformer, really. Uh-oh. So, I feel like I'm not on the right track based on
0: what you're... No, the exact opposite of your thing. It is a platformer, hundred percent.
1: Interesting. What platformer would have dialogue like that? I'm gonna eliminate any Nintendo platformer, because it's not a Nintendo um type of quote. Not that it can't be on a Nintendo system, but not a Nintendo exclusive.
0: So it's not like a Mario game. Um Uh, Mets Girl does pipe in bold of you to assume that it's got a rating. Ah, is that a hint?
1: maybe so here's here's what i'm gonna go with if it's, it's a platformer i don't know if you even played these mac but i'm gonna guess uh like a ratchet and clank mm,
0: interesting bold choice bold decision um and i if you know just say what it is if yeah, you already I'm just, know i'm just gonna say it. it's castlevania symphony of the night it okay. was released on the PlayStation. The delightful game has sprites. I love it. Uh, Houseless Gamer actually speedruns this game. So oh, does he? Okay. one of the reasons why I know uh, the quote, but it's also a little bit of a meme as well. So, uh, so yeah, but Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Uh, good quote though. Good quote.
1: Awesome. And let me scroll down and see. I'm sure you're right, but let's just make sure. And it is. It's Castlevania Symphony of the Night. So, I guess we as a team mm-hmm. are one for one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are. All right. So, we have a couple of questions. He sent some extras we can do next week. Um, this next one, these all these all these quote quotes all have the word man in them for some reason. At least this next one does. It says, the right man in the wrong place can make all the difference in the
0: world. Mm, I know this one, too. Do you really? Yeah. Um... Let me say it the way that it was said in the video game, and it might, might, the right man in the wrong place can make all the difference in the world. Any better? Yeah, um... Um, let me also say that I, uh, incorrectly went down a road thinking it was this game, in episode 124 when the sound test that elevator sound the first thing I guessed that's what it's from
1: in episode 124
0: yeah when we got okay. that elevator and we we're like dude
1: so let me tell you what I thought it was just based mm-hmm. on reading it at first glance I thought it was like a fallout 3 type of quote
0: oh you kind of you know I I hear what you're saying and uh it's not fallout but it's but it's still good stuff
1: Okay. Um. And it's probably a game I played because I asked this person to provide stuff that I've played that we've both probably played anyway. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, man. What do you think it is, Mac?
0: Let's get your opinion. It's Half-Life 2 Episode 1. Okay, any context as to when that quote Yeah, comes? it's right at the beginning. Uh, it's as the G-Man, the weirdo government dude, is uh, kind of pulling you out of what we, the player, assume is some kind of strange trans-dimensional uh, suspended animation. You know, okay. to put you into City 13 in order to just, you know, screw stuff up. You are a wrench being hurtled into the gears in that game and that's the words that start you off it's uh the beginning is uh rise and shine mr freeman rise and shine i could go on
1: but dope dope, dude and now we're getting a new half-life game on vr so very timely quote and it is indeed i scroll down it's half-life it didn't say which episode but i'm gonna assume you're right on the episode so cool Um, I have a feeling these are all going to be ones that you'll get. I'm just not good at quotes, but that's okay. That's why we're a team. Last quote of the week. um, This one says, Right and wrong are not what separates us and our enemies. It's our different standpoints, our perspectives that separate us. Both sides blame one another. There's no good or bad side. Just two sides holding different views.
0: Nope. I have no idea.
1: Well, this has got to be some type of good versus evil. Very true. Game, well, right?
0: actually, it no, it, it should it's not. I mean didn't you listen not listen to the quote, Mr. Nice Guy? It's expressly there is no good and evil here. It's just people with right. different views. No, I, I get it's, that, but I'm, It's I'm not just, a good versus evil game. I'm just saying there's probably some type of conflict. I guess every game has a conflict. Well, it's definitely a game it's definitely a darker game. Yeah,
1: for sure. For sure. Um I'm gonna read it one more time for the people. It says right and wrong are not what separate us from our enemies. Excuse me, what separate us and our enemies. It's our different standpoints, our perspectives that separate us. Both sides blame one another. There's no good or bad side. Just two sides holding different views. So this leads me to believe that there's... Um, there's This is one of those games where you can choose to play good or evil. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say Infamous Second Son.
0: Okay, Infamous Son second son now and me. It's been, it's
1: been like at least like six years since i played that game but i just feel like it's one of those games you can do two playthroughs one is good one is evil um and and
0: i mean this sounds like something that would come from that game you know uh as you're just talking about it it just kind of stirs something in my brain i don't think this is right but i'm similarly going to guess and i am going to guess fable but uh, honestly it's probably a game involving war is, you know, is my big guess, but I can't think of any so fable it is.
1: Okay, so and I'll let me scroll and see. So the correct answer is <laughs> Final Fantasy
0: 8. Oh my god. You should have known that, Mac. I should have. You're a have... Final Fantasy oh. guy. And I know who says it now, too. Ah, uh, okay. That's okay. We went two
1: for three. That's what matters. We got most of them right. We're still experts in gaming. Let's keep things moving for the sake of time. Thank you, kid Nikki, for sending those questions in. That has been
0: our Nerdflex segment. Back to you, Mac. All right. Well, now we're going to go for a little bit of what we like to call legalese. Legalese i'm not a lawyer i just play one on a podcast and we are going to take a look at warcraft 3 reforged sorry mr nice guy for stealing your it's okay, thunder it's okay early i agree with you metz girl ff8 was the best final fantasy uh well i thought you tactics, said tactics. is better yeah tactics was yours right eight is is very great as well <clears throat> anyway so legalese right we're going to talk about something that has a legal component, and that's what everybody's excited, or shall we say not excited for, about Warcraft 3 Reforged. Granted, there are... Oh, shh. She was being sarcastic. Uh, So, uh, there are... Granted, there are um, people who are upset about the way that they've kind of shuttered Warcraft 3 Classic, as they're, you know, uh, as they've been putting up the Reforged, and there's been some issues about, oh, this content really isn't that good, and, you know, oh, blah, 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 you know, that sort of thing. But a lot of the outrage has been about the updated to update to their Terms of Custom Games accessible Acceptable Use Policy, and the rights you get if you make a mod on one of their games in or within their universe, or more accurately, the rights that you do not retain. So, while making a custom game has always included, at least for as far back as I could find these agreements, which was probably back 2015, 2016 or so, after that whole Dota thing, um, that uh, it's always included that it belongs to Blizzard. What has changed is that the wording is a little bit more explicit when you sign things over, right? Uh, You know, when you sign up for the game, basically. So, as opposed to previously, where we'll go back to 2016, where the saying was, we own what's going on with our games, even if you mod it. um, Very quick and succinct, this one is about a paragraph long. And it actually only includes one new concept, which we're going to get to in a second. First, it goes through and it lays out, not only does everything you do with this game belong to us by default, but we stipulate as a function of you playing the game that you also agree that you've given the, your rights to the content that you modify and make on us, or, you know, to us. And if for any reason law would prevent you from doing that, then you agree that Blizzard gets exclusive rights to it, even if that excludes you personally. And they spend, you know, about a paragraph talking big legalese about that, but that's really what it boils down to, and that's not that much different than the wording that was there, except for being more direct, explicit, and encompassing about the legalese. The one thing that has people kind of up in arms about it is that or at least the one thing that is different because again it is not different from the previous it's not functionally different different from the previous agreement Uh, but it includes a clause about something called moral rights and that's why i thought it would be fun to talk about that here on legalese Because moral rights seems like a very strange thing. Mr. Nice Guy, if I were to say, what is a moral right? Do do you have any
1: idea? I think of like the Constitution, right? I think of things that morally you should
0: be allowed to do. Um, that's what you I You would think. think it's something like an inalienable right. Exactly. Or some right. kind of right that's not granted, but that you have just by the nature of you being a, you know, being an, a, a moving, living, breathing. And honestly, some people picked up on that and were like, oh my gosh, you know, Warcraft 3 is saying that they basically own us, um, which isn't what moral rights are. Moral rights are authorship, attribution, and Integrity, at least within the context of U- of U.S. law, right? So in short, though, what that means, authorship, attribution, and integrity, is it's basically the right to be known or not known for something, and also your right to prevent what's called prejudicial distortions of your work. So, Mr. Nice Guy, you make something. As a result of you creating it, making it, you are entitled to your moral rights around it, which are the fact that you are the author, um, that people should attribute your authorship to it, and that if someone is you know making a prejudicial distortion of your work, you should have something to say about that. And that's what moral rights are within this context. That makes so, sense. So yeah, so basically what this really doing? So is it rough? Sure. Is it different? A little bit different than it used to be. Is it business as usual for a video game company? Absolutely. So don't worry about too much about it. Unless, of course, you're like me and you're an old person who's kind of like, hey, the Overton window. No, 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 video game companies. Um, But honestly, it's not that much different than it was before. And if you were fine with what Blizzard was saying before, then you should be basically fine with it now. This is more of a cover-your-butt maneuver because now they don't need to attribute you or even worry about false attribution. It's not a deal anymore. In short, Blizzard's rights get buffed, players' rights get nerfed, and that's been a little bit of legalese for you. That's interesting. So can I
1: ask a clarifying question? Sure, go for it. So basically they said you can mod the game.
0: Yeah, And that if you mod it, that you get credit for whatever you created, right? No, they said you not only do you not get credit, there is no expectation on them to credit you for anything. And
1: that's a contradiction to moral rights, is what you're saying. Exactly, because the moral
0: rights is that, and you've said that you are that you are giving those up and i really apologize i'm sorry i didn't make that clear but you are absolutely right they included in this thing that you were giving up your moral rights as well so mr nice guy thank you for asking that clarification i got caught up and didn't realize that it didn't actually say what i was thinking in my head
1: no you're good so they can take the mod that you've created and sell it hypothetically Oh yes, but they could do that before. Yeah, exactly.
0: And they could do it aft and they could do it after. Now this is mostly this moral rights uh, clause is primarily so that they just don't even have to credit you. Not necessarily that they were going to before, but you know, it really kind of covers their butts in case they don't. I suspect that they will be crediting people for creating their mo- creating mods, but it's just now it Now it's no big deal if they don't. It's kind of like future-proofing, because let's say at some
1: point they don't have the time or resources to credit people. And let's say this game has a 20-year lifespan and Blizzard has moved on to other stuff. People are still making mods. They don't want to have to assign someone the task of continuing to credit all these people that are still making content. They want to be able to say, hey, you know what? We're done. You guys can keep playing it. That's fantastic. We're moving on to Warcraft 10.
0: Now, you know me. I'm an old- I'm an old-schooler type of person. I'm like, not only should you not be able to have control over the mods that I make, you should not have rights to it. I agree. You know, I mean, I'm very on the other side of this. I think this is all crazy and ridiculous. I think we are giving way too much power and stuff to the video game companies, to the things like that. I mean, I'm just all against this. But, nonetheless... Uh, I see a lot of people freaked out who were okay with what they were agreeing to two weeks ago, um, just because, you know, there's a certain lack of understanding, which is why I think it's important to throw it out there in legalese. It's basically business as usual. I think it's bad business. I'm again it. But... It is kind of basically business as usual. Now, Mr. Nice Guy, to kind of round off this Lees bit, um, when you were going to talk about this in in, uh, uh, in gaming news, uh, was there anything specific that you wanted to share about yeah, The, the only
1: thing I was going to say is it's interesting that they're being so strict now that you mention this. Um, because basically this game came out and it was completely buggy and it had so many issues... And they're actually issuing refunds for this game right now, Mac. I don't know if you knew that. So people who purchased this because it's in such bad shape at launch, um, you can get your money back if you bought Warcraft 3 Reforged. Now, it's unfortunate because, and I may date myself a little bit, but I remember playing Warcraft 3 freshman year college, and it had been out for a little bit. But I remember in the dorms with the homies playing this game on the lands. Uh, the land, rather. <laughs>
0: no, no. I We keep it the old way, playing it on the lands. On the
1: lands, homie. Um... And, uh, and just having a really good time. And, and so I was excited that this was going to come out, because as I get a new gaming PC, I was thinking, oh, I can play some Warcraft 3, I can hop back in. Apparently, the initial one is terrible. And it brings up a greater point, which is, if you're simply remastering a game, how hard can it be? But yet, this is something that we see that happens a lot. When Halo Master Chief Collection first came out, they were just remastering old games and adding new network abilities. It was absolutely a mess when it first came out with the original Xbox. Now here we are six years later, and they've completely turned it around. It's a phenomenal game, and they're doing a great, great job with it. So I hope that Warcraft 3 Reforged will have the same thing happen. That's all I wanted to say.
0: Yeah, and Mr. Nice Guy is going to date himself with uh, Warcraft 3. I, I, I remember Warcraft 1. That's the mic that I, I would be he, dropping. He dropped that mic. Thanks for joining us for a little bit of legalese. That is our show, but you know we like to, at the end, talk about what we've been watching and what we've been playing. Nerdy stuff is awesome, and sometimes it's a little bit hard to come by. Please help us out by letting us know in the chat, what nerdy things are you watching? What nerdy things are you playing? So that we can have a full queue of awesome things to play. Mr. Nice Guy, what have you been watching and playing? Dude,
1: so I've been playing Cuphead, man. I finally got around to it. I had a birthday last week my brother was like what can I get you I was like you know what man just hit me with the indie game I've been wanting to get Cuphead I haven't picked it up yet because I have such a backlog of games he hit me with Cuphead code on the Nintendo Switch and I'm having a blast with it Mac have you played it Cuphead
0: yeah no, but I've seen it played it's, and it, it looks difficult it's
1: yeah it's it's like I would say uh I don't know if it's harder than Celeste but initially it is, right? It's a lot of trial and error, much like Celeste, except you have upgrades and things you can get to... Uh to make it easier. So you can get upgraded weapons, upgraded health, that kind of thing. But it's a really fun game, and I'm having a good time with it. The other game that I hopped into, and this really speaks to how deep my backlog is, is Titanfall 2. Um, That was a PS Plus title a few months ago, and I was streaming last night on my channel, twitch.tv backslash MrNiceGuy425, and I just thought, hey, let me me try some Titanfall 2. I did some of the single-player late night. I started late and had a good time with it. So that's what I've been playing. Um, As far as what I have been watching... Not a lot, Mac. I haven't had a lot of time for TV.
0: Now I understand lots of
1: people to take care of. Yeah, NBA basketball here and there, but that's pretty much it. How about you, man? What you been into?
0: Oh, uh, let's see. For me, I've been playing. Uh, uh, I've been playing some Chasm again. Um, as you know, for a period of time, I was. Uh, you know, there was a little bit of speed running going on for Chasm, and I was up there near the top. Well, recently people have expressed interest in speedrunning the game again, um, and as a result, put up a new uh, put up a new uh, first place thing, which is cool. Nothing to get crazy about because there was lots of mistakes. I'm at this point just kind of waiting for one of the other people to knock me off my pedestal so I can hop right back on there. Um, so, been playing some Chasm. Uh, I've also been. Honestly, I think that's about the only video game I've been playing yet. Um, yeah, but as for uh, what I will be playing, I, I did treat myself. I am holding this Dungeons & Dragons starter set that's from the Stranger Things thing with the demigorgon and the like, and um, yeah, so I plan on treating myself to a little bit of, uh, of demigorgon action. So- Hashtag treat yourself. Treat yourself 2011 Oh, 2020 So, uh, so yeah, that's what I've been up to Now, as for those people Who are, uh, you know, so kind As to hang out and be here with us For the show uh, We've got Met's Girl Who finished The Watcher um, Let's see And, uh, yeah As for games to be playing well, We've got uh, some Breath of the Wild uh, Playing, we've also got Undermine, Cave, Blazers, and scourge scourge bringer which sound uh, quite fantastic so thanks everybody
1: awesome well that has been our show like Max said now normally we do a post show today we are going to skip that we have some things we need to get to but we really appreciate everybody tuning in to episode number 126 of two nerds in a pod we'll be back next week same bat place same bat time same bat rhymes keep it nerdy y'all deuces see ya